episode is brought to you by Camp Crystal Lake, a children's summer camp in Crystal Lake, New Jersey. We are proudly and finally reopening for the first time since 1958 when two camp counselors were sadly found murdered. And yes, I know we've tried reopening in the past. In 1959, a series of fires stopped us from opening up, and poison water stopped our opening in 1962. But now I, Steve Christie, have taken over the camp from my deceased parents and am proudly reopening Camp Crystal Lake for the summer of 1979. So if you live in Cunningham County, New Jersey, send your kids to the best summer camp around, Camp Crystal Lake. Hello and welcome to this inaugural episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. My name is Brantley Palmer and I'm joined by my other co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Today, we have a special guest joining us on our very first episode. He is a huge Friday the 13th fan. It is our fellow film school classmate, Mr. Corey Stevens. Corey, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Anytime that I get to talk about and do anything regarding Friday the 13th, I'm all about it and all here for it. Nice. Um, So, you know what? I said film school classmate, but in case anyone thinks we're some young bucks out here, uh, no, we're all like mid-30s, and it's been uh, quite a a ways since uh, film school. Corey, uh, you work as an editor in the industry, correct? Yes, I work for Condé Nast doing uh, editing videos for their YouTube channels for all their various brands like Glamour and Vanity Fair and uh epicurious and wired and all those awesome nick why don't you uh tell the folks a little bit about yourself too yeah i also (laughs) i'm also editing um but uh most of the videos i do are um internal facing we work for pr companies um and uh, and their clients and so uh, a lot of that work is just purely internal seen one time only maybe um but uh yeah so i'm just editing and managing a team of freelancers and been doing that for a long time awesome and uh i am the black sheep of this group who no longer works in film and television and instead works as a college archivist here in new hampshire Um, hey you got out (laughs) (laughs) i worked uh four years in live sports television and that made me not want to keep working in television and really drained a lot of my love for sports in the meantime (laughs) yeah wow no, it really did. I mean, you realize very quickly that baseball is the only sport without a um, clock. And an extra inning could be seven minutes or it could be 45. Um, and extra innings and rain delays put you out at 3.30 in the morning. And boy, you do enough of those and you're just like, oh boy, <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh that's a bit of a downer note on this podcast, but um, why don't I tell you what we're actually going to do instead of uh, regaling you with boring stories of the television industry. Uh, this is a podcast in which we draft all things horror, and for our very first episode, we're going to draft one of the seminal series, uh, the Friday the 13th franchise. Um Corey, we thought of him immediately because we know he's a huge Friday the 13th fan. We had to have him on for this first uh, episode. Um, So with that, I think we'll kind of maybe get into a little bit of uh, horror recommendations we might have on the docket. Um, You know, Corey, you're our guest. Was there anything you wanted to shout out recently horror related that uh, people should check out? Oh, man, I just saw Malignant. And I cannot 
speak enough about how much I enjoyed thoroughly watching Malignant and just how utterly unhinged that movie is and can't really talk about it beyond just that it's it's a wild ride of a movie um, without getting into spoilers and ruining the magic for it because it's a, it's a special beast and if you are dialed into its wavelength um, I and you're a fan of horror and especially like James Wan and things like that I promise you're going to have a great time watching it it's, it's a wild ride so I can't recommend watching that enough to any horror folks right now and especially if like you have HBO Max it's on there it's right there right now you can watch it nice yeah that's one that's definitely on the watch list I, uh, I, and I've heard that it is very unhinged uh, <laughs> an apt description uh, uh, best way <laughs> Nick, man, what do you uh, what do you want people to check out? Um, so I also just saw Malignant last night, actually, and uh, yeah, completely second what Corey said. It was, uh, I mean, I'm a James Wan fan, so um, I think, but even so, I went in completely blind, didn't know anything about it, didn't watch a trailer, and like it was so much better for it. So just oh, like trust what everyone is saying, and you know, I just see the movie with no preconceptions whatsoever and i think it's just a blast from start to finish it's just fantastic really uh, really good um i can just picture james wan grinning from ear to ear while <laughs> shooting every scene in that movie just like i it's oh man so good just watch it just watch it people it's so bananas yeah it's great it made me want to, well i don't even want it now never mind i don't know if that's too much of a spoiler no fuck it i'm gonna say it. it's not a spoiler at all it's just it made me want to watch have you seen basket case Brantley? Oh, it has been probably two plus decades, but yes. I've never seen Basket Case, but I've heard that I've heard that movie mentioned with this movie recently. Oh, that's cool because I I I was curious to read about whether those were mentioned. I only saw the first Basket Case, but it made if like at the time I was like not a huge fan, but I'm tempted to revisit it now having seen Malignant. Um, But yeah, Malignant's amazing. Loved it. I also saw a couple movies on Shutter recently that have been great probably too many to mention i've been watching shutter a lot um uh and i two nights ago watched a glitch in the matrix which is rodney asher's new documentary he's the guy who did room two room 237 um Mm. and he also did a movie called the nightmare which was about sleep paralysis glitch in the matrix is about the um simulation theory that we're all living in a simulation potentially um and i mention it here partially because all of his documentaries have also been like described as hybrid horror films which is fair there's an element of of that but um they're also oh, wait what's funny. this sorry i'm not i don't mean to interrupt you nick uh the no, sleep no. paralysis one i think i may have seen that because it has reenactment segments in it right yep it does and they reenact like these people that have sleep paralysis and they see like these like shadowy beings like that's in exactly the, yeah Okay, I think I saw that, and some of the reenactments, it just gave me those unsolved mystery reenactment vibes, and it, like, scared the pants off me. I was, I was mm-hmm. like, these idea of these, like, you're laying in bed, and they're, like, just leaning over you and creep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's him. That's I actually haven't seen all of The Nightmare, but, um, yeah, obviously I love Room 237, but I'm biased. But, um, I yeah, like, Glitch in the Matrix is has horror elements. It's, it's I don't know. The idea that we're living in a simulation by itself is kind of fucked up and they they talk about what it would mean if we actually were living in a simulation and like what it would mean for 
anyone who's already kind of like on the fence like yeah the only thing that's keeping me from like murdering people is that you know it's against the law but then you find out that you're living in a simulation and like the whole society just collapses um that's terrifying that's a really really scary thought so anyway (laughs) but a good movie really interesting and his documentaries i'm talking forever his documentaries though the way he does them is um is unlike any other filmmaker working in the doc genre um at the moment it's like the way he does interviews um and the way he uses um b-roll is just it's brilliant and bizarre and completely unique so awesome. highly recommend it nice yeah that's some high praise i uh i again feel like the black sheep of this podcast because i have not seen malignant yet but i'm very happy to to hear what you said because i have also intentionally not read anything or watched a trailer or, or anything i've just kind of heard the smattering of people saying oh it's wild it's unhinged it's you know insane here you know that sort of stuff so i'm very very much looking forward to going in blind um but yeah, I feel like there's just there's a lot I need to catch up on, you know that, and I haven't even watched the Fear Street movies on Netflix yet, and those have been out for for quite a while. So those yeah. are really good. Those they are really are, solid. Yeah. I thought the second one was the best one, and then one and three were kind of on even keel, but kind of like just just this one big story told in three movie parts. It was it was kind of it was like a unique hybrid of like franchise filmmaking with like a limited series it kind of mm. it was almost like streaming and, and movies really kind of bleeding together in those ones but it was a good time nice nice yeah that's that's good to know i mean uh i'm, I'm very much looking forward to them as a fan of rl stein obviously growing up first with goosebumps and then the fear street books and and then graduating on to like stephen king and you know that kind of stuff uh it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun to revisit that that franchise um i was going to talk about one of the only films i've watched in theaters that wasn't the paw patrol movie or spirit untamed uh, or peter (laughs) rabbit 2 uh recently that was Candyman. um uh, which was delayed, uh, obviously due to COVID, but it finally come out uh, this year, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot. Um, I thought Nia De Costa did a, a fantastic job. For some reason, I because again, I try to go into things blind and not kind of um, read too much or, or watch trailers if I can avoid it. Uh, I didn't. I thought it was a reboot. I did not realize it was like a you know sequel kind of reimagining um and it's a legacy quill sorry sorry Uh, no 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 it's a a legacy quill kind of like halloween 2018 is basically right it kind of like i haven't seen it yet i only just rewatched the original Candyman just the other night um which i'd only seen like once before maybe like 10 or so years ago and definitely liked it i wasn't crazy about it but i liked it um and that's what i thought that they were doing with this one they're kind of doing that like i don't think they i know there were a couple of Candyman sequels i think they were mostly i think were they direct to dvd or video or something i don't remember but um so it might not be as extreme a case as like halloween like ignoring previous movies or whatever but it's one of those like legacy quills reboot quill or whatever they want to call them nowadays Yep. Yeah, no, and and I think you, if you just watch the original, that's a, a a good thing because if if I would recommend anything to people, it's watch the original and then re then watch the new Candyman because it really ties directly to the original in ways I did not realize it was going to. Um, 
And so uh, it's, it, was, it would be good to revisit that first one for anyone who uh, hasn't seen the new Candyman yet. Um, but I liked it a lot. I thought they did uh, a lot of fantastic stuff with it. And it's, um, I've heard it said before, and I agree, which is that it doesn't kind of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It doesn't um, love the kind of violence and gore the way the first film does. It really mm-hmm. is more of like, you know, uh, this newer wave of horror which is like dealing with deeper themes and uh exploring them through the genre of horror although again i'd argue horror is always exploring deeper themes deeper themes at a minimum our own mortality and morality um but usually other themes as well um but this one really kind of deals with a lot of different uh issues that uh, it explores and i think does a really good job exploring um, so yes, watch watch the original Candyman and then rewatch the new one, <laughs> um, the uh, one in theaters now because uh, I really liked it a lot. Um, and then the only other one I wanted to give a shout out to—it's been a while, but it's still probably on VOD and it's probably going to be coming to DVD or Blu-ray soon. Which is Werewolves Within, uh, which is Josh Rubin's second uh, film after Scare Me. Um, it is awesome. It's already being called the best video game adaptation ever made, <laughs> um, and it's just a really great horror comedy and set in Vermont. So anyone who grew up in Vermont and New Hampshire, like I did, would uh, probably get a kick out of the. <laughs> rural setting of uh or the tiny little state um but it's a lot of fun and it's great so i would highly recommend that one as well did you guys watch werewolves within either of you get a chance to check that out i did i really mm. didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen it i, I haven't seen it I oh, did. I, I don't i don't want to i don't want to detour no. what we're here to do uh i i it it was for me it was totally weird i don't know i it really mm. i don't know i, I don't know for some reason it just didn't right. it didn't it didn't click for me it was one of those ones that i was so excited to watch it i heard like all the buzz i saw i think i saw your review on letterboxd i think mm. and uh i think uh, a friend of ours that we know dave conti and i uh, rented it and did a zoom facetime watch mm. of it and we both weren't weren't crazy about it um gotcha. So I'm sorry to crash the party. No, <laughs> no, you're not crashing. Hey, you're not going to offend me, man. I go for it. Be honest, man. Uh, no, it's, it's interesting because like I'm generally not a fan of horror comedies. Kind of as Mick Garris says, they're usually not funny or scary. Um, you know, it usually fails on both regards. But I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy this one a lot. And I'd actually say in the past like three to five years, I've personally thought there's been a couple of really decent horror comedies to come out with like Freaky last year, um, Spontaneous, um, um, uh, Happy Death Day. Um, you know, I thought there's actually been a few good ones. And and, and I love the, uh, you know, I love the tonal shifts and <laughs> strange aspects of Werewolves Within. The only real criticism I have for it is just that, I mean, if you're, even halfway paying attention it's very obvious who the werewolf is from very early on in the movie which was the one kind of bummer is because it sort of removed a lot of the tension and suspense from it um yeah i had that peg kind of early on and i was kind of yeah. like oh it can't be that obvious and then when it was that i'm like ah uh, okay fine yeah fine. that's okay but i uh, the, the 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 lead actor 
I don't recall his name, um, but I really liked him, and he was really oh, yeah. he was he was easy to like and root for, and he was funny. Uh, I really enjoyed him. Yeah, that's uh, Sam Richardson, who is a awesome comedic actor. If if folks haven't watched the show Detroiters that he did with Tim Robinson, it was on Comedy Central for two seasons. I, run out and watch it right now because it is awesome and hilarious and uh tim robinson if if folks aren't familiar with him he does the i think you should leave sketch show on netflix so if you've watched any of that like absurdist sketch show that's his partner in crime on detroiters and they're both really good friends in real life and did that show together um but yeah sam richardson is is awesome i i can't think of a single thing he's been in that i haven't liked him in at least even if i wasn't the one of the project yes he was on veep yes okay yeah okay i know who you're talking about yeah yeah, that guy's yeah, that's great. Yeah, he's too. he's great. He was just like, um, what was the word I'm looking for? Like, it just like can't be like beaten down. Just positive to a fault, <laughs> you know. And then such a horrible, um, you know, surrounded by horrible people. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks guys for kind of letting us know what uh, you've been watching and and. Uh, I'm uh, talking about uh hopefully people find that interesting we'll, we'll find out um but uh <laughs> what do we do on this podcast well we draft horror things we're drafting friday the 13th this episode so there are 12 official friday the 13th films no documentaries no fan films are going to be included here these are just the canonical friday the 13th movies so that means we're going to have a four round draft now we've decided the order of the draft uh before we started we roll the four-sided die uh cory is going to be going first i will be going second and then nick you will be going third and we are doing a snake draft which means if you pick first in the first round like cory will do he will not be drafting again until the end of the second round because nick We'll get the final pick in the first round and also the first pick of the second round. So before we begin uh, on every episode of this podcast, we are going to install a commissioner. Uh, Corey, since you are our guest, you will be the commissioner for this draft. Now, you will have very little work to do because there's not going to be really any disputes about what is or isn't a Friday the 13th movie. But for future episodes, we will be installing a commissioner in case someone wants to argue whether or not something is or is not, say, a ghost movie or a supernatural movie. That's where we will have the commissioner step in and give the final verdict. Um, you know, horror is a genre that is gatekept often. Personally, I'm one to say, hey, hands off. A lot of things are horror and a lot of things, different things can be horror. Uh, but other people have different opinions. So every episode we will have a different commissioner who will be making that final ruling. But again, today, Corey, I think you will have no decisions. You'll have to come in and <laughs> slam down on the court of horror drafts um, as we will only be drafting the 12 films. That includes the remake uh, for anyone uh confused about uh, yeah i was gonna say if this was if this was um if this was a nightmare on elm street i would i would probably just rule that nobody could draft the remake for a nightmare (laughs) on elm street it would be better left to be undrafted and then Mm. move on to a different career (laughs) yep (laughs) that's not in servicing people in needs of horror (sighs) fair i think that would be a fair ruling and i think a lot of um people listening would probably agree with you on that um all right so uh with that being said um why don't we get this draft started Corey? you have the first pick in the first ever inaugural draft of the horror drafts podcast take it away sir well i gotta go with 
the one I always consider the quintessential Friday the 13th movie that you would if you're going to tell somebody to watch a Friday the 13th movie that has never watched one and should see like I don't know what you might consider the best one or the one that's the pure pure Friday the 13th movie because I have two favorites two tops but I'm going to go with the final chapter number four great pick that's tell us a little bit about it why, why would you pick that over you said you had two so why would you go with that one and you don't have to say what the other one is but why would you I won't say what the other one is because it could affect other oh, things okay. um, yeah. I feel like with Friday the 13th final chapter um, it's the best of because as they get going on you know they get bigger they get away from Crystal Lake you know with like Manhattan and the, the kids get a little worse but in, in the early going pre-Jason Lives when you've got like your original core Friday the 13th movies like 1, 2, 3, and 4. 4 is just like the best version of a Friday the 13th movie. You've got Jason when he's still kind of scary. He's still, he's still, he's not undead Jason yet, so he's still got a little bit of running ability. You've got Tom Savini who's come back to the franchise since only having done the first one and he's doing the makeup and the fourth one. You get this big, ultimate, gory death of Jason where he actually dies in the franchise. Um, you've got Corey Feldman, who was just rising as a child star at that time, and only a year later would be in The Goonies. And it kind of, I don't know, you didn't really have like a child character in a Friday the 13th movie before, so it kind of added a newer element of danger you've got an excellent group of they're not camp counselors in this movie they're just kids out for a party weekend but you got an excellent group of uh of kids out for their party including crispin glover from friday uh from back to the future who does a hysterical dance and he's just honestly just a great probably the only good actor in this actual movie but it, i don't know it's just got a little bit of everything great kills uh, great atmosphere, great finale. Harry Manfredini's on the score. I don't know. I just think it. I always have. I, I mostly always have thought that Friday the Thirteenth Part Four was the best. Nice. Nice. End, yeah. End no. Of, end of ramble. <laughs> <laughs> four. Four was certainly high on my list. That's that's certainly the case. Uh, Nick, uh, what do you think about four? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen a lot of the earlier movies. Um, there's only a couple that I've seen more than once. Um, I think four is one of them, and uh, and yeah, from what I remember, four is like probably in my top three Friday movies. Nice. Um, so I kind of kind of figured that would be picked first or second. So. Yeah, and, and and you know I think fairly four is usually one of the bigger fan one of the biggest fan favorites. It's usually the one that gets pointed out as as the best in the franchise by a lot of fans. I think I had it uh, third on my list. So it was high on mine as well. Um, yeah, and I agree with everything Corey has said about it. It's it's a fantastic fantastic film um, in this franchise and. You know, just the Crispin Glover dance alone um, <laughs> put, has, has to make it a top five on anybody's list, right? The um, song too. The song in that moment yeah. is so great. <laughs> yes, that song goes way and, back for like Nick and I and everything. Yeah, too. Just, yeah, there would be there would be random times in the dorm back in the day where I would just <laughs> hit that song, but right at the moment when Crispin Glover drops the needle on the record, 
So it's not even just the beginning of the song. It's literally a specific moment. It's like a minute and 50 seconds into the song. You just drop it on that point. And it sounds like the, the singer's going like, no way, not tonight, no way. So good. I love that movie. So good. Oh, that's great. Uh, all right. So uh, I have the second pick in the Friday the 13th. Uh, draft and I am very very happy that this was still on the board because it is easily my favorite of the Friday the 13th films and that is part 6 Jason Lives which brings in the undead Jason (laughs) as Corey mentioned Um, so it's funny because I I agree with everything you said about 4 being the quintessential Friday film and and I would uh, say that I think 6 is the quintessential Friday the 13th film um you know, it, it, it basically creates the Jason that we know and think of today, this unstoppable supernatural killing machine. I mean, it, I think you could probably make the argument that in two through four, he kind of is that anyway, even though he technically is still human at that time. Um, but the other thing that I really love about Six is it's not just um, the quintessential Jason. It's not just a meta horror film that pays tribute to the horror films that came before it. Uh, it also pays tribute to the original Friday the 13th and really brings the franchise back to Camp Crystal Lake. Really, it's just the first film in six that are the only ones to really spend any time at Camp Crystal Lake. You know, two is on a different camp on the other side of the lake. Three is Higgins Haven in a private residence. Four private residences. Five... I. I don't even know where five <laughs> takes place. I think that's like upstate or something. I don't know. Um, and then six comes back to Camp Crystal, like the place where it all started. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they've renamed it Forest Green as they're trying to shed the <laughs> Crystal Lake, uh, uh, you know, history. Um, but then seven is private residences. Eight, obviously he goes to Manhattan. <laughs> Jason goes to hell. He's like all over. And uh, and then he, you know, eventually will, I guess they start out there in Jason X. And then obviously there's um, Freddy versus Jason, which has like, you know, a climax there. But yeah, six is the other one that brings it back there. And I think that it sort of references a lot of, you know, early Jason, Jason's childhood in ways that, you know, um, I, I didn't originally think of when I watched it. But like, there's actually kids and so when Jason comes into like one of the cabins and the girl sees him and she starts praying, well, you know, in the very beginning of Friday the 13th, the very first film, like they were singing Christian songs. Like you kind of got the sense that in the 50s, this was maybe like a Christian camp. So it would almost make sense that like Jason wouldn't kill these kids when he starts to hear a prayer because it sort of ties back to, you know, maybe brings him back to when he was a kid at the camp. And I know I'm probably reaching here and things like that, but uh, I think no, there's a lot just... more care and thought. You just enlightened me on something that I never even thought of before. So the fact that I just was enlightened and learned something new, like that's great. Like the song singing and then the prayer never made that connection at all. That's a, that's yeah, amazing. And, and who knows? That's probably you know me just like pulling BS out of my ass. But I mean, it, like it, I I felt like it really makes sense for for Jason because you know why wouldn't Jason kill kids, right? Like why he doesn't have any. <laughs> remorse you know i mean he's gonna kill whoever he feels like is encroaching his his area really um but anyway yes that's why i have six number one for me and the other thing i really love about it is that everyone in it is just like a great character 
you know, the, the things I kind of dislike sometimes about horror movies when you have all these teens and they're all just assholes. So you just can't wait for them to be killed and you're just rooting for the killer almost. And, you know, certainly something that I think some of these Friday the 13th movies fall into the trap of. Um, but there's, I mean, everyone in this is like a decent person and it kind of sucks when you lose some of them because they're, they're great. And it's like, oh, I want to hear him, you know, BSing more about Native American, like... <laughs> symbols and stuff like that, that i forget his the character's name but he's just such a goofball he's hilarious yes um, that's john travolta's nephew oh really yeah oh, so next time you watch that movie like look him. at him and you're gonna be like oh yeah he's totally related to john travolta yeah yeah uh anyway so yes that is that is my favorite part six that i will take as the second pick that's my 1b to final chapter 1a i love jason lives i've always loved jason lives it's so good nice yeah yeah i figured that was the other one you had when you when you mentioned it was between two (laughs) it's just it's uh alice cooper with the song yeah it's so good Mm -hmm. that movie's so good yep cunningham road and the next town over being carpenter yeah all those little general and you know that type of stuff it was like one of the first meta horror movies I don't remember Definitely. many, you know, because everybody likes to talk about West Crimson and Nightmare or Scream really kicking off the mm-hmm. meta stuff in the 90s, but you go back to 86 with Jason Lives, and that's one of the first examples I've ever seen of, like, meta horror, winking at the audience, audience participation, basically blatantly right on the screen and everything. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, Nick, you're up with your first round pick, sir. Okay, right, yeah. I've got two picks in a row here, so... You do. I have a feeling I'm going to pick two that people are going to immediately discount any other things I say on this episode. Maybe on this entire podcast, because this is episode one. So, but here we go. Um, Okay, so for my first pick, I guess I'm going with part two. Oh, okay. Good pick. I know it's not a lot of people's favorite, but I like part two. Uh, You know, obviously we we get Jason, like actually entered i know is you know obviously a part of part one but he really becomes like he's like the central figure of the franchise and part two is where he takes center stage um i like steve minor director steve minor because i think he also did one of the the better halloween sequels probably um i I personally would rank halloween h2o as like the best sequel along with two right alongside halloween two and so i've liked steve minor since that um and uh i think i saw halloween h2o first and then i finished Halloween franchise and that's when I watched the Friday franchise for the first time and seeing Steve Miner's name and realizing this is a movie he did way before H2O and appreciating that he did two and then three and yeah, he's three the only director too. to do multiple right and he's yes right I think I um may have, I don't even know if I remembered that but yeah I like that he did two and three and I like three as well three could have been a pick because you know he's gets his hockey mask and stuff i like to um there's no gimmicky 3d it's a great great ending another good jump scare at the end um and uh yeah just to also i feel like i had to pick for my first choice like an actual friday the 13th movie <laughs> one that like takes place in the woods and, you know yeah because i'll go no, right into great. my next pick which is jason x and i'm putting it out there i'm picking it like one of the I only... knew you were gonna take Jason X. I, just I knew, knew and I knew Corey knew it. that I was gonna take it. I, mean, I have to take it, <laughs> which is um, great because I don't have to worry about taking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take it. It's the only, 
first of all, it's the only movie in the franchise that I own, which I'm not embarrassed. I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but it's it's uh, it's just I'm it's lots of horror movies have like really jumped the shark franchises and and done stuff like go to space, but they really just they went for it. And of the three movies, and I'm gonna call, I don't know if this is a coined term because I'm not a I'm I'm not a I don't know enough about Friday, but there's like a trilogy of Destination Friday films, right? So he like he goes to Manhattan, which is really like, does he go to Manhattan? It's like he takes a long boat ride and then he winds he up in Manhattan for like a minute <laughs> or two. So and then he goes to hell, but really he doesn't go to he's goes to hell in the last few minutes. But mm-hmm. he fucking goes to space immediately. <laughs> Most of that movie takes place in space, and it's just bonkers and fun it's got one of the best kills in the franchise obviously um Mm -hmm. yeah uh, hands down or at least a fan favorite kill um and uh yeah it's a terrible terrible movie but it's also just so funny and fun and Mm -hmm. um yeah i I have to i'm just giving it to jason x because of how purely just pure fun it is from the first moment to the end um so that's it those are mine. I, I love that you're drafting with your heart, and you didn't want anyone else to steal that from you, even if it was the first pick of the second round. <laughs> I had to. Yeah, thank you. The first, awesome. the first three picks are literally. If, if you, if anybody looks at my ranking on on Letterbox, the first three picks so far have been my ranking four, six, two. I love part two. Wow. Part two is, and part two is one that like I've come to love even more, maybe in the last like five to ten years of watching it it just it just more and more just appeared to me like like i'm like how i'm like this movie is so good i'm like it's got some really great kills it's basically the first movie again but with jason with a better group of camp counselors arguably the best final girl in the whole in the whole franchise um some great scares the the whole final girl chase at the end is so good that part two can't can't argue that one at all yeah, yeah, that would have been my next pick as well if if, if Nick hadn't taken it because that that's my number two after um, part six, and then four would be my third, for instance. Um, but yeah, and I totally agree too. With like the past five-ish years, getting even more of an appreciation for part two, um, and it's just gone up so much more uh, for me recently. Um, yeah, I love part two. Jason X, it's a movie. It's. <laughs> It's uh, it's one I liked more when it first came out, and having rewatched it over the years has kind of diminished more and more in my uh, estimation. But I I uh, love I definitely agree it's bonkers and wild, and and yes, they go to space right away, uh, and it obviously has a great kill. Um, oh, and Cronenberg. But yeah, I would not have. And yes, Cronenberg. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's phenomenal. Um, yeah, it I used to be my least favorite. Really? Yeah, it used to be my least favorite, and it was the first one I ever saw in theaters because I was like seventeen when that came out, like two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. definitely just dated myself for you, those of you that were wondering how old we were or whatever. <laughs> um, and I always hated it because I hated it, or I didn't hate it. I was just more just like, man, 
I know they went to space. It's blatantly stupid, but I'm kind of bothered by how blatantly stupid it is. <laughs> but then over the years, I've kind of warmed up to its absurdity and stupidity more to where like I can just much more greatly just enjoy it versus yeah. versus any of the other ones I have at the bottom that I don't want to speak about because I'm hoping one mm-hmm. of you guys takes them away from me so I don't have to pick it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. It's, it's definitely more of a so bad it's good rather than a good friday the 13th movie yeah i'm with you there uh okay i'm thinking right now between what i want to take because i'm between two for my I know, now um, it's where you really actually got to think about yeah. the ones you're gonna take and i know if i take one the other one's not gonna be around by the time i come back i'm almost positive well you might be surprised the sure. middle rounds you never know yeah you never know okay so here's what i'm gonna do I'm just going to go with my heart. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to pick Freddy versus Jason. Ooh. Over the other one I had. Yes, Freddy versus Jason. Um, this is the second of the films I saw in theaters because I also saw Jason X in theaters and then watched this in theaters. In fact, dragged my girlfriend to the theater, who is now my wife, um, to go see it because she's not a horror fan. Um, that right there is a really good... Like you just sold Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> like she wasn't scared away. She hated horror movies, and she married yes. you. Yes, now we're there married. There you go. Yes, because of married. Freddy vs. Jason. Exactly. Yes. Oh boy. Uh, if you want to speaking about aging us, so my wife and I are high school sweethearts. We started dating when I was sixteen. We will have been together for twenty years in March. And so I'm just realizing how much longer we've been in this relationship than I lived before we started dating. <laughs> that makes me feel. That's a trip. Uh, yeah, that, that's a trip. Um, but yes, she was a wonderful sport, and I dragged her to go see this. And, um, I, you know, like Jason X, it's perhaps dropped a little bit in my estimation since it came out, and you sort of have to just put up with that early, mid-aughts, you know, new metal and, you know, aesthetics of, uh, of the film. Um but I think what it does well, it does really great. And, you know, some of the unfortunate aspects of it are unfortunate. But, uh, you know, overall, I enjoy it. And just the fact that the movie finally got made after decades of, like, you know, them going through the the draft after draft after draft of trying to make this happen. Um, I was uh, happy to see the two Titans fighting each other. And, um, you know, I... I think the ending was about as good as they could have done because you're going to piss off anybody no matter what you do and I think they did a really good job in how they finished up that film and sort of chose a winner but was it really over kind of thing um I don't want to spoil things I'm this is a 15 year old movie or whatever so I mean if you haven't seen Freddy versus Jason (laughs) yeah I know and you're listening to this podcast (laughs) then I really don't know yeah what to tell you I and I and I and I agree. I, I think they did that. Yeah. I, I and I think based on what the story was too, it wasn't. I, th- I think the, I think the ending was definitely also informed by the story and what and what they decided to, and how they decided to yes. go with Freddie and Jason in the movie. Yes, exactly. You know, Freddie is just this kind of evil tormentor, which he is in general, and they kind of did set up Jason as this sort of underdog kind of poor getting beaten up on by freddy yeah jason's almost not even a bad guy in the movies he's almost uh you you almost really root for him 
because mm-hmm. of how Freddy is just, you know, screwing with him and screwing with everybody else in the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And look, the geography of how they get from Ohio to New Jersey or whatever in that van ride, I'm not <laughs> like going to comment. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, having it finish up at Crystal Lake, you sort of, you have to, uh, of course. And I think they did a, a, a good job um, overall and with the final um, fight scenes with the film. So I, I'm taking Freddy versus Jason. Home field advantage is a big thing. <laughs> yes. Corey, you get back to back now. Oh, man. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, I know. Kind of. You know, all right. You know what? Mm. I know. I'm trying to, I'm like trying to like fight like my, what, like what my actual rankings are on this. I'm trying to think a little bit differently here. Sorry to force. You know what? You know what I'm going to take, actually? I'm going to take the reboot. I'm going to take the remake mm. uh, for this first of my second of my back-to-back picks. Um, and I'll kind of put this in with um, Freddy versus Jason in a way with yours is that I feel like they're unfairly judged. Um, I don't mm. think they get enough credit for actually being really good great installments in this in this franchise good 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 to great because like um i feel like freddy versus jason has always had like a very lukewarm reception and i was super hyped for that movie when it came out and it it, Mm -hmm. you know of course 18 year old me it delivered in every in every way possible on what i had waited on i was couldn't have been happier leaving um the remake I felt very similar to because i went into it with a bit of trepidation because of just kind of like the 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 aughts um remakes that have been coming out which weren't all bad i like i can i can get down with the texas chainsaw remake or like the hills have eyes remake or whatever like that i don't talk about the nightmare on street one anymore it's like absolutely horrible as i already mentioned once before um but i think the friday the 13th reboot is actually really probably the best remake out of all those early aughts remakes i just thought they did a great job of like combining elements from like the first four movies and freshening them up for you know the the modern audience i mean the movie's now 12 almost 13 years old um uh, really good cast of characters the first like 20 minutes almost act like is its own like standalone like short film it's just really slick uh jason mears is playing jason and he's super menacing in it as jason um yeah i don't know i i really I, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm always tend I always tend to be one of the defenders of the remake because I just really actually think it's a super enjoyable Friday the Thirteenth movie. So I'll take that as my next pick. Um, I'll take my next pick and then you guys can give me your thoughts on the back to back. But then I guess I'll go. Man. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna take it. This is this is a go with my heart pick. I'm gonna take Jason Takes Manhattan. Nice. I'm gonna take that as my number three pick. Um, it was the first one I ever saw. Turn it on mm-hmm. to a USA marathon. Way back, I was like ten years old. I didn't catch it from the beginning. I caught it. I caught it from pretty much almost like when he arrived in New York. So, to me. 
the movie was he went to Manhattan. It, it wasn't it wasn't the boat. It wasn't any of that. He was he was there. Or uh, I mean, years later, I found out it was more Vancouver, Canada than anything else. But um, mm-hmm. I kind of Jason takes Manhattan's is is yeah. It's not one of the better ones. Most people rank it pretty much right near the bottom. I think it's like the only Friday the Thirteenth movie with a goose egg on Rotten Tomatoes, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always have love for it being my first one, and also because I actually genuinely like certain aspects of it. I love Kane Hodder as Jason, though I'd probably argue that his better performance as Jason or best performance is probably New Blood. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just have a weird. I, I I I don't know. I really like Jason Takes Manhattan. I've always I've always liked that one, so I'll I'll, I'll take that one for me. Nice. I, I love that both of your picks are ones that have gone up in my estimation, like in the past few years. Like I remember when the remake came out, and I was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's not as bad as some of the others. It's all right. But rewatching it more, like over the years, it's definitely gone up for me as well. And I've liked it a lot more. The only criticism I really have for the remake is just that it it feels a little at times almost like the Chainsaw remake. And I think it's because yes. it's the same director. But like the whole like townsfolk being like, you don't go near him, you just leave him alone and he'll leave you, that kind of thing. Um, the aesthetic, the production design has yeah. a lot of overlapping elements. And I remember thinking that too, yeah. even just when they first started showing the trailer, I was like, this looks like a TCM sequel Mm -hmm. yeah 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 that that would be my only dig on it but i do agree i mean jason mears is phenomenal as jason i think he does a a great job um and uh, i've enjoyed it more and more uh, as the years have gone on and it's it's gone higher and i agree also with part eight part eight used to be the one i was like oh that's that ridiculous (laughs) you know the last of the paramount ones where you know then they decided to sell it off for parts basically um but like you know watching it you know again in the past few years it's just like oh yeah this is like this is better than i remembered it being yes it's ridiculous that he punches a dude's head off on a (laughs) rooftop but you know overall like this is you know this this has more to it than than i you know gave it credit for before plus they got a character who's named jj who is a very obvious joan jett reference so (laughs) i'm all on board for that too (laughs) uh Boy, Nick, do you want to chime in on either of those before uh, before I make my pick? Uh, maybe, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't. I remember hating hating part eight uh, when I first <laughs> saw it. Like, and I was like, super into the franchise. I remember watching them all as quickly as I could in order, and being so disappointed in part eight. And but I having heard you guys talk about it just now makes me really want to. I've been like for some reason part eight keeps coming up more and more like in my instagram mm-hmm. feed people are talking about i don't know why um maybe i'm just noticing it more often but i feel like lately i've been getting like a lot of signs that i need to try and rewatch part eight and see if i feel mm-hmm. differently my memory of it is that it was like very bloodless i don't remember i was like this one doesn't feel violent it feels like and there was something about that that turned me off at the time probably because i was in high school and mm-hmm. i <laughs> it was still anything. in the thick of the MPAA cutting those movies super heavily. So that's kind of in, in the same way that like part seven is part seven mostly was. bloodless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. You're not wrong there. Yep. That was yeah. my. Does someone get killed with an electric guitar? 
Yes, JJ. Okay, yes, <laughs> JJ. Oh, JJ does. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So like that, those, and obviously the final reel of that movie are, are my my main memories of seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. The chase into the sewer is pretty cool. I, I yeah, mean, no, the, the final whole toxic reel is waste. Yeah. yeah, the whole toxic waste element is really, and you know, the whole the actual ending of it is really does not make a whole lot of sense. But the actual like yeah. chase through Manhattan, the escalator, the subway, even though it's clearly not New York subway system, which always bothers mm-hmm. me in movies, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it go but yeah like it, i don't know it's fun it, the last real spot yeah yeah i mean yeah. to to be fair how many of them end well i mean after four True. it's like i mean very few of them have like good endings say for i think probably friday freddy versus jason but yeah i mean six even as much as i love six it's like why he needs to be returned into the lake is never <laughs> explained or clear or anything and it's sort of like a kind of a I don't know, uh, you know what they're trying to do, except just bring it back again to the original. But um, yeah, in uh, seven, I you know same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it. Whoever picks it, but yeah. Uh, oh, great. Uh, well, Nick, now you are up with the back-to-back picks here at the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth. Oh wait, isn't it you? Yeah, wait. Oh, yeah, aren't oh, you? you're right. Yeah, you know why I messed that? You know why I messed that up? Because I already wrote down on my sheet what I was going to pick next, which is the original Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was thinking we've already done this. Uh, no, I, I'm picking this above a few of the others that are left on it um, because this is just kind of the only one of these films that just has like a real mystery and suspense to it in a way that the other ones don't you know the other ones you just you know it's jason pretty much the whole time and um this one you're really wondering like oh who is the killer here you know i mean it it definitely sort of has a little bit of a kind of psycho hitchcocky sort of feel to it i mean it's obviously kind of cribbing on that you know earlier horror films of course and obviously it was made as a cash-in after halloween made it big um but i think um you already mentioned tom savini obviously the phenomenal makeup artist who like made so many of those kills look awesome especially kevin bacon getting that arrow through the throat uh in the cabin uh and then the, the reveal that you know the killer this whole time is betsy palmer is you know i, I would have loved i a lot of these horror movies, I really wish I could have been there in the theater, like opening night to see like how an audience would react to the first time when you have no like basis for, you know, who, what, what has happened in it. Cause you know, now living, you know, obviously with these older films, so we already kind of know the history of them even before we see them and we know, you know, that type of information. Um, but that's why I'm going to pick the original here over some of the other ones, just the, the suspense and, um, you know the the real kind of mystery of of that film. I really enjoy it for that. I love the original. Uh, yeah. If like I definitely, if you went, if I was going by like how I rank my movies, how I rank these movies, I would have Friday the first one is like the was like my fourth favorite one. So like, if I was just going by that, I would have picked it previously mm. but because i'd already picked four i was kind of going i'm kind of i've got a little bit of a strategy in mind but like anyway i'm trying to come back yeah. around rambly and very poorly saying that like i like the first i love the first one and yeah i can't imagine it just even if you're even if you're somebody that hasn't seen a friday the 13th movie you're probably at least aware of enough of the franchise or whatever that like 
if you're going to sit down to watch the first one, you probably know that Jason isn't the killer. Maybe you know that it's what it is. I, spoilers. I don't know. Like, really? Like, it's this is more ease. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you you kind of have this knowledge going in or if like you're somebody that like wants to watch a Friday the 30th movie and you're watching one kind of like without any recommendation or any knowledge and you go to watch it and then you're like, why the fuck isn't Jason in this movie? Where is Jason? Why is he not in this movie? Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know. It, it kind of set the DNA for the whole thing. Yeah. And it's got a, yeah, it's got a great means... atmosphere to it. It just has a really oh, yeah. wonderful, just, because the location they shot in and everything like that just has a terrific atmosphere about it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And uh, although my, my issue with both Mrs. Voorhees and Jason is that why are they attacking all these modern people who are just coming back to the lake? If they really wanted to get back at people, why wouldn't they track down the <laughs> original counselors from the 50s, right? Because we see at the very beginning of part two, Jason will travel to go kill somebody. He'll go know, right? travel to kill the final girl from the first movie who killed his mom, you know? Um, and then he just terrorizes anyone else who comes to his lake. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I got to go with the original. So, Nick, you are now up with the back-to-back. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think my first one will be easy. I don't know what I'm going to do for my second pick. So, um, yeah, I guess my first pick for this round, uh, or the last pick for this round, uh, as it were, would be th- part three. Um, I feel like my choices are boring. Again, another Steve Miner one, one of the few that I've seen several times. Um, you you know, the hockey mask comes into play. Um, would have loved to have seen it in true 3D. Haven't haven't had that experience. So I think Corey, yeah, yeah see the it's, real deal. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I don't I don't want to detour from your pick, but I got to do it no, like four years ago, like a newly like these these great folks in Philadelphia set it up and they projected it the real way on like a like on an actual appropriate silver screen the right glasses and it was absolutely magical magical nice yeah that would i mean that sounds awesome i mean even without that and with all the gimmicks and stuff it's it's a fun it's a fun one um and uh i don't have much more to say about that it's it's definitely it's also one of the ones that I've seen the most recently, so I've like probably freshest in my memory. Um, it's rock solid. It's a it's yeah. a solid installment. It's a it's a good Friday Thirteenth movie. Yeah, no, it's real. And I'm I'm honestly surprised they went this far to the end of the third round. I I would have thought it would have been scooped up earlier. Honestly, me too. I was uh yeah no when I picked part two I was afraid people were gonna be like how could you pick two over three but mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, maybe because they're both Steve Miner, that those I I kind of view those two as like one, um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So that's that's my final pick for that round. And to begin the next round, this is tough because I really don't. There's not that much left, and no. uh, oh man, I'm just gonna have to. I know again, it's a terrible pick, but I'm just going by like when I first saw them in high school um, or middle school. I forget when I first saw them. Um, when I didn't know anything about anything, I enjoyed Jason Goes to Hell, so I'm picking it. I Thank remember, God it I will not I, be on my team. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were going to hit it. I know everyone hates it. <laughs> I think I saw the unrated cut, and I remember thinking this is actually pretty shockingly violent for this franchise. Well, if you're going to watch um, it, watch the unrated cut. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, and the opening sequence is great. And honestly, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the highlight of the movie, and then it's all downhill. If you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I think I had just seen Evil Dead, so like you know, the Easter egg with the Necronomicon was cool, and mm. yeah. um, obviously the last shot is 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 cool. I don't know. At the time, yeah. I was just like, ah, it's violent. Got a killer opening. It's got these cool Easter eggs at the end. That's when I was a really, kid. What else I like that for? one more. Yeah, I feel like if I saw it again, um, I actually did start watching it recently. On I think it was on Shutter. I don't remember, but yeah, I I fell asleep like by minute eighteen. I yeah, when like, I was a kid, I liked that one more. But also, might have to do with the fact that it has you know it has it, it has some really good gore and some really good kills. It probably has maybe the best sex scene of the entire Friday the 13th movies too which probably had something to do with an adolescent boy watching these movies and everything but (laughs) (laughs) but it has that movie also has some wild makeup effects with um what's his face uh sorry uh Greg Nicotero who's basically Mm -hmm. the practically the main guy on Walking Dead he did all the makeup effects and gore on, on Jason Goes to Hell and everything and of course he's a legend in the industry Was he a protege of Tom Savini? Did they work together at any point? Off topic, but I feel like I... I feel like that's something I should know, and I don't. That's a great question. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I feel like I should know that as well, and I I don't. But it would make sense. It would make total sense if he was like a protege of Savini's. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but I also could be making that up. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Unpopular choice, but that's my choice to open this round. Hey. I'm glad you picked it because I thought you were going to pick what was going to be my next <laughs> oh one, my. which is part seven. And then I would have been stuck with two shit sandwiches, but uh, <laughs> I will obviously take part seven here uh, instead of <laughs> the final <laughs> film that Corey's going to get stuck yeah, with. <laughs> I, I pretty much knew one of three were going to be at the back end. <laughs> yeah. So here's what I'll say about seven. Um, it was obviously, you know cut to hell which the director and i'm blanking on his name but he was a special effects guy too um and he directed leatherface as well the third um i think if i'm remembering correctly john carl totally blanking. thank you yes he passed away uh, a couple of years ago yep, i think yeah right? yeah um but i remember like watching him in some of the documentaries just being like the mpaa you know fucked over my you know that kind of thing i don't I mean, look, I'm sure the MPA cut a ton of it. I don't disagree there. I don't think that's the problem with this movie. The problem with this movie is that everybody in it is so unlikable. Yeah. And you just are rooting for Jason basically to kill them, which, again, like I've said before, is not a way to set up a horror movie. Um, And there's just like no... It just... It's not as sleazy and grimy as Five is, uh, which you're going to be stuck with here, Corey. But yeah, we'll talk just, about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, but there's just this underlying, like, I don't know, like, vileness and kind of hatred under the surface of it. I don't know how to describe it. That has always kind of turned me off. And I get, like, they wanted to do, like, a Carrie versus, you know, Jason thing, of course, and they couldn't get the rights to Carrie, so that, you know, they've, they've got all that telekinesis and stuff. And, and that's fine, honestly. But just, yeah, there's, besides the main character and Kane Hodder doing a really cool 
a really great performance as Jason and a lot of the stunt work and it's awesome like when he falls through the stairs and everything um, there's a lot of great stuff there's some weird stuff like when like the TV flies across the room and, and things like that yeah. um, but yeah I think that there's a lot of big problems with with seven uh, just in just characterization and story in general um, that um, puts it real real low on on my list yeah seven is really not very good it, it but it has yeah. it does have its qualities to it it has one of the best looking jasons by design mm-hmm. and makeup and yeah you've got kane hodder doing his first and i would say probably i'd say arguably arguably best performance is jason um right. and yeah i yeah it does have this sort of mean streak through it but there's not a lot of worthwhile stuff to watch about it because, yeah, the MPA cut it up so bad. The, the cut gore is really good. It would have been great if that stuff had been preserved, could have been re-edited as a director's cut or something like that because there is some definitely great stuff that, that got left on the floor. My, I guess with Seven, for me, the only – and it's also the first one that doesn't have Manfredini on the score. It kind of recycles some of his score, and they bring in Fred Mullen, who's doing the, the TV series score to do the rest of the new score for that. But I would say the only real reason to watch seven is to watch the state uh, is to watch the uh, Kane Hodder stunt show. That is the last 15 mm-hmm. minutes of that movie. The last reel of that movie is him just getting his ass handed to him by couches and porch roofs and doors and stairs. It, it's awesome. It's honestly awesome just to watch it from just a stunt spectacular because that's really all that Kane Hodder does in the last 15 minutes is just put his body on the line for the movie mm-hmm. and, well, and the fact that he did I believe what was at the time the longest burn yes. sequence ever having been a stuntman who was burned horribly in a fire trick like that was like obviously I think that probably has a, a huge place in his you know you know uh mind and in heart like being able to go back and do a fire stunt like that it's one that was for so long yes cinema um, history it's yeah it, it, you yeah, are right yeah. it, at the time it was like the longest on-camera burn and that's why you got that yeah. slow-mo shot of him and he yeah that's that's yeah that's intense stuff especially when you know kane otter's history and about his stunt mm-hmm. gone wrong when he was younger and he got his burns and everything that's 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 something that's a really cool that's a really awesome thing to have on film yeah exactly and uh but you know like six and eight and the other ones the ending of it is just so weird i don't the the dad jumping up from the lake to like pull jason down is just makes no sense she brought like her yeah like her intense kinetic uh, telekinesis powers brought her dead dad's ghost up to yeah 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 it's I like I <laughs> ex machina like is I don't even know like that's it, that's even more hail mary than anything anybody could ever do. <laughs> yes, agreed. So I guess that leaves Nick, me with think? the last pick, right? Or wait, wait a minute. Yes. Oh yeah, I didn't know if Nick wanted to chime in at all. No, part, part seven, seven. It was between for my last pick would have been part seven, yeah. obviously. Um, but yeah. Um, again that in part eight memory is just very very bloodless and kind of forgettable um the telekinesis stuff was actually i mean obviously that makes it a little bit (laughs) memorable uh in i guess in terms of the rest of the franchise um but Mm -hmm. even that i mean it wasn't enough to (laughs) 
I'm always reminded of this funny quote. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Warrior with Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy, but there's a great quote in that when, when they ask about like the one character, like, do you remember him? It's like, yeah, I remember him. I'm re- I remember him for being very unmemorable. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> way to describe. <laughs> right. Yes. Yep. Yep. So what? We got to talk like... about part five. Yeah, I mean, part... however much or little you want to. So, I figured... <laughs> I figured going off the top, I'm like, well, I'm either going to land with Jason Goes to Hell or, or a new beginning in my bucket at the end. So, um, mm-hmm. Jason Goes to Hell is my least favorite. So, part five isn't. I think for a minute there, part five might have been. But I think the only thing that makes like part five like not my least favorite Friday the 13th is that it, I don't know, shares a little bit of the DNA from like the first four movies in sort of... Mm-hmm. Uh, style and look but it's just you you touched upon it already it has a very sleazy just kind of gross vibe to it which the director Danny Steinman he had a background in pornography directing pornography which when you watch like the main sex scene in this movie just kind of how some of the stuff is filmed it, it, it I mean it definitely looks like a pervert made this movie it's just very yeah <laughs> It's very dirty, very dingy. It, it it does have, for me and people in like our circle and some of our friends, it does have some very iconic lines that we'll say to one another, especially like the the two greasers that get the greasers that are like in like the mid eighties that look like they took a wrong turn out of Grease two and wound up in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five or something. Mm-hmm. Like they like there's some. There's almost some funny bits that just because they're just not meant to be funny, they're just unintentionally hilarious. Um, I mean, it has, I guess, it has the distinction of having the biggest body count out of all the movies, oh. but because I think there's like 22, 23 kills. I mean, I think actually maybe Jason X probably tops uh, part five. I, I actually, if I think correctly now, but in terms of like the original traditional Friday the Thirteenth, part five has the most, the most kills and. Mm, the, the one where the guy gets the leather strap over his eyes and gets it tightened behind the tree that's a pretty good one yeah. uh but the rest of them are a lot of quick cutty stabbies i mean the 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 woman yeah the, that that old woman with her crazy with her crazy son on a dirt bike and he's riding around screaming yeah. and then he gets his head taken off and stuff like that so i mean that's power five i guess has has its charms. You get Corey, they they managed to pull Corey Feldman off of Goonies for like one single day to do. And to, I think he shot it in his backyard, right? Yeah, something like that. Isn't he that shot right? in his backyard. I think he was running like a fever. He was like a hundred and two degree, mm-hmm. hundred and three degree fever. There, he's out there. He probably got Spielberg. Like, what is he doing on this set when he's supposed to be up in Oregon doing this movie? Um, and uh, yeah, and then. It's too, it's it's too bad because it's that middle chapter in the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, and four and six are the two best movies, and then you've just got this this dud right in the middle. Um, they try to reestablish the who done it of the first one. It doesn't make any sense at all. It, there's no there's no connection to anything. It's yeah. It's I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know you I, I, there it's one of those ones where it fluctuates next year I could look at part five and I could be like it's a, it's the worst one 
I, it's it's really it, it floats around there in the bottom two or three just like it's hard to I don't know it's a Friday the 13th movie <laughs> that's for sure uh, yeah no that was definitely my least favorite and um, that I, I, I when I was younger I really disliked Jason Goes to Hell a lot more I still it's still my sec my you know second least favorite but five especially you know again like a, we're talking about these reassessing of this series as you know years have gone on but you know rewatching it again like within the past few years I'm just like ugh I don't even dude, this sucks I don't want to be watching this I feel yeah. gross watching this movie and you know it's just it, that, you're right it, it makes absolutely no sense and it sort of goes back again where it's like if he really wanted revenge for his son being killed why didn't he go after the kid who actually did it who got the one in who's, police custody the one who's now in yeah in custody <laughs> exactly instead of killing everybody else around him for and it yeah it makes no sense and it's just sleazy and it's gross and it's uh yeah it's it's a real slog to try to get through it's one movie. true redeeming quality i will say is i think in my personal opinion it has the best of the harry manfredini scores Oh, out of all and you know okay. he's he scored one through six and then hell and jason x which i do not like those scores at all but in terms of like his first six his first six movies one through six that he did the full scores for i think five is the best score i think it has the best music out of all all of them not and it's not to say that it's nice. like head you know head and shoulders above the other ones but i think i think five has the best music and i that's probably the only true positive remarkable thing i can say about five gotcha and i will always be angry that it was sucked so bad that it really messed with part six's box office i think part six i think had like the lowest box office i think it's where because five sucked so bad and then like it came up after that a little bit because six was like oh yeah this was actually good you know yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably why they titled the sixth one Jason Lives. Like, please come back. Yes. Jason's back. We're sorry we took him away from you. We didn't realize that you loved him so much. It's very similar to mm-hmm. Halloween 3. Everybody got pissed off when Halloween 3 came out. And even though Halloween 3 is actually really great, I don't think it's underrated anymore because I think people have finally gotten around to appreciating it. But at the time, people were mad. No Michael Myers. We don't like that. We mm-hmm. want Michael Myers. And the same thing here. It's like people... You can't say anything, you know, the first one's the first one before Jason even came along. But so you get to five, you take Jason away, and it's like, no, we're here to see Jason. We want we want Jason. He's yes. the rock star. That's who we come to see. And that's, you know, and this is kind of like a side tangent thing, but we talk about how, like, you get these unlikable groups of teens and characters that you just want to see killed off. And it's like, at this point now, Jason is such an iconic figure, like Freddy and, like, these guys. People show up for them people show up for them mm-hmm. we want to see jason we want to see michael we want to see freddie we want to see them and see them kill these kids in spectacular ways that doesn't mean just craft a whole slew of unlikable characters that we can't wait to see get murdered you know we're all there to see the see these guys tear things up but we also want to like root for some of these kids to either defeat them survive them or something like that we don't want to spend the whole movie just simply rooting for these guys to kill all the characters because then it's just there's no tension there's no there's nothing dramatic about that you're just waiting around to see 
a bunch of kills happen, and then the only thing you're going to do probably afterwards is complain about how the kills weren't creative enough or good enough. And, but it's also because you weren't emotionally invested beyond just being like, that guy's an asshole. I want to see him get killed. But you do need one or two of those asshole characters that you desperately want to see get killed, and then they have to hang around until almost like the next to last reel and then ship them out. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right ladies and gentlemen that is the friday the 13th horror draft to recap Corey, in the first round you took part four in the second round you took the friday the 13th remake in the third round you took part eight and in the fourth round you were stuck with part five uh i wouldn't say you drafted out <laughs> kind of just got unfortunately saddled with it uh nick in the first round you took part two in the third round ra- i'm sorry in the second round you took jason x in the third round you took part three and in the fourth round you took jason goes to hell i took part six in the first round freddy versus jason in the second round the original friday the 13th in the third round and then part seven in the fourth round Guys, how you feeling about your uh, about your draft? Not too good, Brantley. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, you took Jason X in the second round. With the first pick of the second round, you took Jason X. I don't regret Jason X. But, and I do feel like I was, Jason goes to hell. Uh, I didn't have much to choose from then, but... Yeah, overall, not feeling not feeling too good. No, Jason X was the right choice at the right time. Oh, sure. okay. okay. Standing by that. But, uh... You pick that as his number two like pick. That. That's that's a that that's a, that's a want. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll we'll, we'll do our post draft analysis, and I think that's the number one with a bullet for reach of the draft. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> I think you could have picked that up in the at least the third. Um, how are you feeling there, Corey? Uh, you know what? I, I I was actually thinking I was like maybe Jason takes Manhattan might have been a reach, but I didn't think it would be there at four because I don't think mm-hmm. I, I my sense was the three of us none of us would put that right at rock bottom, so I didn't think that that would be there. Even though I could have taken part one, I could have taken part three as well. Um, I think mine balances out. I've, I've got the you know I've got the remake. I feel like I've got the best one. I've got my little like dingy, not great favorite, but then and then then yeah, then you got the, you know, you got part five. It's got the best music, it's got the yeah. b- biggest body count, but you know, I, overall though, like if I was gonna like sit down and be like I'm gonna watch four Friday the Thirteenth, I'd watch the first three and fall asleep during the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, I feel fantastic about my draft. I, I, I feel like it came out wonderful. I mean, part seven being, I think, obviously the weakest of them, but considering the bottom three, that's the one I would have chosen among the bottom three there uh, between that, Jason Goes to Hell, and part five. Um, so, yeah, I feel I feel, I feel feel really good about it. I got my favorite. That's what I, the one thing I definitely wanted to do, if I could, was to get my favorite. Uh, in part six and then uh, I honestly feel like everything after that's kind of icing on the cake to be honest (laughs) Um, well normally this would be the part of the podcast where we would discuss the undrafted free agents the the honorable mentions we would have chosen that just couldn't make our draft well 
there are no undrafted free agents. These are the canonical 12 films that we've drafted. They've all been drafted. There are no more to be drafted. Um, so that means we'll move on to that post-draft analysis with the reach of the draft and the steal of the draft. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Nick. I, I think you taking Jason X, not just in the second round, but with the first pick of the second round, um, I think you that would have been there in the third and possibly even the fourth round if it wasn't taken in the second um, I, that's got to be my reach of the draft. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you're happy that you have it I am on happy. your team. That was, um, yes. Yeah. I went in ready to take Jason next. Maybe nice. too aggressively. I was like, maybe in the back of my mind, I was like, ah, maybe one of them is going to take it if I don't take it too quickly. But yep, that was on my, on my to-do list going in and I'm glad I wound up with it. Nice. Nice. It reminds me yeah, of the time. Would... Oh, sorry, Brandon. I was gonna say. No, no, go for it. It reminds me of the time in my fantasy football league for real NFL football that my cousin Eric took Steven Gostowski as a kicker in the eighth round of a twelve-round draft. <laughs> <laughs> it's by far the reach of the draft. I would, I would probably <laughs> say Jason X. I would put Jason takes Manhattan probably as my own pick, as maybe a slight reach given what was still available to me at that pick, but I think you made the right call with part eight. I would have taken part eight if you hadn't if like say you'd taken the original there. I would have taken part eight. Okay. So I think if you if you felt strongly about eight over the original, I think you made the right choice there. I basically chose eight over part one just because I had already picked four. Yeah. Otherwise I would have taken part one over part eight. Gotcha. Nice steal of the draft. Um, yeah, a steal of the draft. Does anyone anyone feel like someone snagged a, a, a great film uh, really low that they wouldn't have expected? I, I will be honest. Part three is not really one of my higher up ones. I actually probably rate it a lot lower than other people do. But I know a lot of people really like part three. I was surprised that Nick, you were able to grab it with the last pick of the third round. Uh, I think that's probably the steal of the draft in in my mind. So I got the reach and the steal? So it evens out. I, I think so. <laughs> I mean, that's in, in, in my mind, you do. Yes. I was going to say, nice. I, probably in, in a similar thing, I think I've tied between two for like the steal of the draft. I was going to say it's between part three for you, Nick, and I was going to say you, Brantley, getting a part one in the third round. I think I know, it's a steal. I'd vote for I think, part I think that's one. a steal, too. That, I'm surprised okay. that one wasn't picked earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, it's these Jason X's being taken in the second round. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that movie. To drop to I me. mean, I don't. It's a terrible I, film, but I, it's it's so enjoyable and so watchable. It's so like, fun. Yeah. I hate I hate to say, it, but it really is a watchable film. It's so fun. No man, I I I'm I'm. It's all in good fun. I'm 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 very happy that you have it on in your in your you know draft here. Since you're such a fan, I. Uh, I, I don't want it to. I really hope it doesn't come off like <laughs> like me. I, I, I oh no, I, very, I totally we all like what we like. Deserve it and expected it. I but I still <laughs> okay. I just remember. I remember I went to see Frailty with um when that was oh, yeah. first released. At, oh, man, mm-hmm. yeah, also two thousand two. I guess early two thousand two yeah. in the spring. Yep, I saw it when it first like the opening night, and I remember the trailer for Jason X playing. And I'd been reading about Jason X for like years. I feel like Entertainment Weekly did like a piece on it like at least a year and a half before I saw the trailer, um, mm-hmm. and uh, well, yeah, because it sat it sat in it sat on the shelf for like a year. Yeah. 
because yep. they shot that movie in like 2000 and then there was some regime change at New Line Cinema and then Jason X sat on the shelf and it actually had leaked a long like I don't know maybe like a year before they actually put it out this was back before I had my internet prowess and being able to find these things and download these things or whatever but apparently that movie had leaked like way beforehand um, oh, online it must have been I don't know was that going to be one of the earliest like examples of like a movie leak like on the internet or whatever um probably and yeah the trailer with with the with the drowning pool body song all i remember is the drowning pool body song. honestly i love that trailer it's a great trailer i was just so at that time being being like 16 17 i was just so hyped to just like oh my god a new friday the 13th movie's coming let's go let's go whatever it is space sure let's do it i was yeah i mean that the trailer might be the most memorable thing about that movie for me just because of the, the set the song choice i saw frailty with my grandparents because my grandmother loved horror which was awesome oh, nice so she nice. saw a lot of horror movies she saw blair witch before i did um oh she my was, goodness she was great so she was like totally on board to see frailty we were all excited and then when that fucking Jason X trailer came on, I remember looking over at her in the theater and seeing, like, that was what scared her the most out of anything. <laughs> it's just that Drowning Pool song. It was too much. And I knew from then on. I love that you had a cool grandma who was really into horror. That's amazing. Yeah, she was great. The only thing I remember, yeah. um, since we're on the topic, was Basket Case. When I actually saw Basket Case, that was actually with her. Um, oh, nice. And I distinctly remember her like walking out of the room, and we got in a huge fight. She called the movie pornographic and made me turn it off. <laughs> and that was the only fight I've ever had with my grandmother. True story. Aww. Yep. That's oh, awesome. that's amazing. Yeah. No, she was she was great. So, anyway, we just, just make this a cool grandma's podcast. My grandma was really into video games. She what? was like all about RPGs. She was like all about online gaming, like in the '90s and early 2000s. Like you know, uh, getting into. She had like like um, I remember when we would go there to Pennsylvania. It was so awesome because she would have like Super Nintendo with like Final Fantasy and you know all these like RPG games and like it was like oh we know there's gonna be like so much That's so awesome, awesome stuff we could do because we're stationed in the basement where she had it all <laughs> oh, you man, know yeah. so we're staying down there getting to play super nintendo late at night and all that jazz um yeah yeah so that's that's awesome i love how you had a cool horror grandma and i had a cool video game grandma yeah that's, that's so cool that's awesome. <laughs> my grandmother taught me how to gamble in the family <laughs> playing cards nice. oh, we all had cool grandmas. this is awesome <laughs> Oh, that's great. She bring in any casinos or anything? No, not like that. It was always just amongst no. the family, like playing cards amongst the family and uh, uh, playing like games like Thirty One and stuff like that. So like I always, uh, my I was always playing games. My grandma she taught me how to gamble amongst all the other family members, the other great aunts and uncles, and make sure they didn't <laughs> cheat you or anything like that. And then if not, if we weren't doing that. We were playing other games, just like Connect Four, Monopoly, whatever like that. She was always about doing games with me. Nice. I think I, I think oh, on, I think honestly, part I think a lot of my love for board games stems from my grandmother. Nice. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap this podcast up with a final segment. Uh, Corey and Nick, I have prepared <laughs> a little bit of horror trivia for you guys. Um, as we all know, a lot of filmmakers get their start uh, in horror because it's a genre that you can break into cheaply and 
get your first directing credit, but there's a lot of actors who also get their start in horror. Whether that's your Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween or your Johnny Depp in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, but you may be surprised to know that there are quite a few more actors who f whose first ever film was a horror movie. So for this game, I'll give you a movie or some information about an actor, and you tell me which actor got their first ever film role in that movie. So I'm basically going to give you like a little information. If you can answer it without giving any hints, you'll get three points. If I have to give you one hint, you'll get two points. And if you have to use the second hint, you'll get one point for it. Um, gentlemen, who wants to go first in this game? Nick should go first. I got to go first in the draft. Nick can go first. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll do that. Nick, you'll get the first round, the first question here. And I do want to let you both know stealing is allowed. So <clears throat> if, for instance, Nick guesses wrong, and Nick, you can wait to guess until you, however many hints you want. Uh, and then, you know, once you've gotten, if you get use both hints, you'll basically have to make a guess. And if you're not right, it'll go to Corey, and Corey will have a chance to steal. So, All right. Nick, decades before he was, an incre he was in an incredibly popular TV show, the Marvel Universe and the Fast and the Furious franchise, this actor got his first ever film role as the titular character of a 1986 horror movie. Can you repeat the two? Absolutely. You said, um, yeah. No, yeah. So, so decades before, he was in an incredibly popular TV show, the Marvel Universe, and the Fast and the Furious franchise. This actor got his first ever film role as the titular character of a 1986 horror movie okay cool so all right so it's three different things the popular tv show and the marvel universe are two yeah. separate ones so and yeah that's just the first blurb if you want to take a stab at it and you get it right you'll get three points i have two other hints that i can give you but once you guess you've guessed you don't get any chance to like make a you know a second or third guess or anything right, right. so if you want any of the hints just let me know i do i do want the first hint Okay, so the first hint is, in the movie we're talking about, this 1986 horror movie of which he was the titular character, he played the villain of the film. So the titular character is the villain. I kind of figured that because... Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that was... That was uh, oh, man. This is a good one, Brantley. Um, I mean, good for you. I feel terrible starting with this. Man, uh... I feel like the Marvel thing is what's really throwing me off. Mm. All right, I'll take a second hint. I just, whatever. First okay, question. second hint. This might give it away, but that's kind of the point of the second hints, uh, if anyone's struggling. The popular TV show he was in was The Walking Dead. I, yes. Oh. I, I knew this before this, but I know this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on you, Nick. I have this one. So, Nick... Can you come up with the name of this actor whose first ever film role was in this 1986 horror movie that I have not named yet? I'm pretty sure I know that. Man, I'm thinking of crossovers between Marvel and Walking Dead. I'm going with Michael Rooker because... That is correct. You got okay. it. I can't think of the movie, though. 
Henry Portrait of, of a Serial Killer. Uh, I thought that was later than 86. That's my fault. Oh, great, great question. No. Depends on when you I view think it. it was. It was made in 86. Yes. And then it didn't get released until later. Because uh, uh, no one wanted to distribute it. That makes I think, sense. I think that's what it is anyway. All right. So you got one point for that one, Nick. All right, I'll take uh, it. Corey, you are up for this question number two. As mentioned before, A Nightmare on Elm Street was the first film of Johnny Depp's. But the third installment of the franchise not only re- reunited Heather Langenkamp and John Saxon and brought in heavy hitters like Lawrence Fishburne, it was also the first ever film of this actress from a famous acting family. Oh, man. <laughs> it's funny, we were just talking about her We were the other just day. talking about this yesterday. Oh, are we, you serious? We were, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's Patricia Arquette. <laughs> that is correct. Okay. So this is funny because when I wrote this, I was like, you know, this one might be a little bit easier than the other one. But I guess if you guys just discussed it. <laughs> like literally yesterday, I have the conversation on my phone. Um, a friend of ours was... was watching through the Elm Street movies. And then, yeah, we got talking about him. And then, like, I think you and Nick were like, is that the one with Patricia Arquette in it? Yep. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Well, I, I am sorry about that. Nick. No, don't be. That's you can dock good. one point off me for that one. No, <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, you've got your three there. Okay. <clears throat> so, for you, Nick. This actor got his first big break on a TV show as a child actor before parlaying that success into film roles. But before he became a bona fide A-lister... His first film role was in 1991 in the third installment of a horror franchise. I think I know what franchise it is. Oh. I think. Can you pull the actor? But I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to need the first hint. All right. First hint. He has been nominated for seven Oscars, six of which have been for acting, and he finally won one in the last five years. Damn. 1991. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Wow, I'm stumped. Really? Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I thought this one was going to be a little too easy. The the, the second hint's going to give it away, but... Alright, I again, I'll, I'll take the second hint. I'm totally stumped. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Once upon a time, he earned his first Oscar nomination for playing the mentally handicapped little brother to a previously mentioned actor who also got his first film role in a horror movie. So it's got to be Leonardo DiCaprio, right? That is correct. What is the movie? What movie? Yeah. Yeah, So I'm. Oh, the movie was Critters 3. Critters 3. Oh, man. I was way off. Okay. Oh wow! Because once you said the, Oscar, I was like, I was like, can't be DiCaprio, right? No, because I'm, because I'm just like, it's not McConaughey because McConaughey's in the fourth Texas Chainsaw. Texas. Hopefully, that's not your next trivia question, but <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Well, the thing <laughs> is, like, ninety four, ninety five, I think. Yeah, this has been one of these things that has like always been like a fascination with me. And when you really dig, you realize how many actors and actresses their just first ever film role or even first acting role was in a horror movie. It's it's pretty deep, um, but yes, DiCaprio and yeah, his first one was Critters Three. How how wild is that? Yeah, I, I didn't oh, have yeah, the franchise. Right? Yep, yep, I would not have gotten that one at all. 
Uh, did you like how my wording for the second hint was once upon, once a, upon time. a time? That was yeah. a big help, honestly. When you said I was like, oh, I was like, well, also once you were like, he's been nominated like six or seven times, and like Leo. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what movie is Leo in? It's a horror movie. Yeah, did not yeah. know that. No, I know. I think it's probably the only one he's ever been in. Aside uh, from I like Shutter Island and the others as a kid, which is more yeah, thriller, exactly. psychological. I guess it's psychological horror. Mm-hmm. All right, Corey, are you ready for your second question? Yeah, let's do it. All right. <clears throat> a lot of these questions pertain to actors who have been working for decades because it often takes time to build up a film career and become an A-list actor. However, this alliterative actress got her first film role much more recently, playing a friend of the protagonist in the When a Stranger Calls remake from 2006. Oh, no. (laughs) I think I might have saw that back then. I can't remember. (laughs) Oh, I'm definitely going to need the second hint on this one. Sure. Well, see, I rewatched this recently, like in the past few months, which is why I was like, is that who I think it is? And then look them up. <clears throat> All right. Hint number one. She has appeared in the Marvel Universe and the Westworld TV show, among other big franchises. In Westworld. Oh, oh, um... Oh, good grief. I know her name. It's just not. I like want to reach to the DVDs behind me and just look at the cast. Like, because I know one. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I very intentionally didn't mention the other two really big franchises she was in because I thought it would give it away even more. Uh, Tessa Thompson? You got it. Ah, wow. That I is just, I was just like blanking on her name. Just like I was like, oh wow, so she's in the the reboot of When a Stranger Calls. No way. Yeah, just like a scene or two as like the a friend of like the main uh, final girl. Okay. The second hint, the second hint would have been her initials are TT. So yeah. I don't know if that actually would have helped you that much, but it <laughs> that probably, would have been yeah, the probably would have finally helped put me there. But I was like, oh yeah, okay, because I knew who I knew what you were talking about. I'm like, okay. Just, forgetting your name right now mm-hmm. uh all right so i got one more question for each of you currently the score is nick two Corey five oh boy. so nick you can tie it up if you don't have to use a hint on this next question yeah, that's not well we'll see let's go okay <laughs> we'll see okay so here you go <clears throat> before he won either of his two oscars and before he came to prominence in a sitcom in the 80s this A-list actor got his first ever acting role in a 1980 horror film called He Knows You're Alone. Oh, man. Never actually seen that movie, but I should know the answer to this. Um, two Oscars, you said? Oh, I haven't. He has two Oscars for acting. Oh, man. Okay, I need a hint. Okay. <clears throat> the first hint is that his adult son is also an actor who shares his last name. 
Um, I don't want to guess because I have like two people in mind, but mm. I don't want to guess and have no points. It, I'm going to let you know that the second hint I will, I hope will give it away. So if, if you're on the fence and don't want to guess, uh, you'll probably get it after the second hint. I'm not so sure, but yeah, I don't okay. think I can afford to guess. But it doesn't matter. I'm not going to win. So yeah, let's take the second hint. All right. He won both of his Oscars in back-to-back years. Wow. Okay. Did, did, did that it not didn't. solidify it for no. you? Wow. Back to back years in the nineties. Let me tell you that. Back to back years in the nineties. I have to. I have to turn this over to Corey. I can't even take a guess. Wow. You don't want to take a stab. Re- not even like one guess. Uh, I don't think I can. Well, that I mean, completely it's not gonna hurt. It. No, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't. Oh wow. Corey, do you know? Tom Hanks. Yep. The only. The only I think <sighs> I had it on the initial. I did not. I was not aware of the movie. The, that the the movie from nineteen eighty, I was not aware of that. Like I know he's in the Burbs, but when you said like mm-hmm. two time Oscar winner and then you paired it up with like the sitcom thing, I was like, Tom Hanks, it's gotta be. And then then the second hand when you did with his son or whatever, I was like, oh yeah, it's got it's gotta be Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, I forgot Tom. I, uh, Hanks. I forgot about Colin. Is he yeah, still an actor? Colin Hanks. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. He pops up here and there. He was in um one of the new Jumanji movies. Oh. Um, and, and oh, and he made that documentary about Tower Records too. He he directed the documentary about uh, and somewhat horror related. Things... He was uh Dex. He was in Dexter season six. He was like the he was like one of the mm. big bads of season six of Dexter. And uh, sorry, spoilers uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Dexter. But if, <laughs> if you if you need a spoiler alert on season six of Dexter, then you really <laughs> aren't paying attention. Yeah. And he was in the, uh, I think the first season of Fargo. I mean, that was a while ago now, but but I think he was in the first season. Oh, I haven't seen those. So, yeah, he's a, he's around. Yeah, I, I jokingly wrote down a third hint, which is that he's often referred to as America's dad. Yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. All right, so Corey, you're running away with it right now, two to six. But this final question is for you, and I guess Nick could try to steal here. <clears throat> if you if you don't get it <clears throat> but um here you go final one for you this actress burst on the scene in 1986 appearing in three films and a tv movie that year while she's most known for her sitcom work the first film that she appeared in in 1986 was the first horror movie in a series that only got one sequel oh man and that sequel is often considered oh come on one of the worst films ever made is that too easy <laughs> This is so funny because I, okay. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we should have switched the order where Nick should have gotten Corey's questions yes. and vice versa. Yeah. Been a whole different ballgame. <laughs> so I take it, Nick, you know who this is off the Yes, bat. I know exactly who this is. Interesting. Wow. I thought this would have been a lot harder than the Tom Hanks one. I don't know why I know this one, like, but yeah, I like pretty famously know this one. I'll take the second hint. Okay. I'll take the I'll take the first hint. All right, first hint. <clears throat> she has 11 Emmys, including 6 in a row that she won in the 2010s for outstanding lead actress in a comedy series. However, this series is not the sitcom she's most well known for. Wait, what? 
I actually didn't know about the the Emmys in the 2010s, but yeah, she won it six years in a row. It's insane. Interesting. I don't even know how that. F- how the fuck do I not know who that is? Then that's like some ridiculous trivia that I'd be like, oh yeah, this person won six in a row. <laughs> um. Oh my goodness. How do I, I really? Dang. Give me. Yeah, I'll take the second hint. That's crazy. All right. I hope this one will give it away. <clears throat> one of her sitcom characters from the 90s is often mocked for her poor dancing ability. Oh, it's Julia Louis Dreyfus, really? Mm hmm. Oh, she, yeah, won she, she won for Veep. She won for Veep. Oh, I should have known yep. that. Oh. So, what are the movies? You know, what, what is the stuff on... from the 80s? So, 86, she was in Troll. That was her first ever. Oh, film my role. goodness. And I was hoping you were going to. Troll 2. I and forgot the troll. I actually, you know what? Yeah. I didn't would not have gotten that right. I was thinking of um, oh, who did you think Jennifer of Aniston, who was in? I was hoping I was hoping you were going to serve me up Jennifer Aniston and Leprechaun. Leprechaun, thank you. <laughs> gotcha. Right, but there's obviously or Renee Zellweger, in... but I forgot that she's. Yep. Damn. Yeah. Or yeah, like Renee Zellweger in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I was waiting for mm-hmm. that. I was also waiting for Hayden Christensen in Mouth of Madness. Oh, yes! Uh, yeah, there's or like there's a bunch I could have gone with, but I kind of, I wanted to choose ones where they were like fairly well-known actors that like I could think of decent enough hints that wouldn't be too, too obvious. Got me on that um, last one. And, except for the second one, yeah. Got me on that last Do you guys want to know one. what the tiebreaker was? Yes, very much. Yeah, I definitely okay. want to hear it. So I don't know. All right, so this is a twofer. This is who can so answer it first. Of you... <laughs> yeah, well... well there's the, uh, the the movie The Burning from 1981 holds a distinguished place on this list as it serves as the first film role of not one but two thespians, one actor and one actress. She is more well known for her serious film roles, and he's more well known for his comedic acting, especially his role in one of the biggest sitcoms of all time. So, does one of you want to take the actor and one of you want to take the actress, or do you not care? <laughs> The only thing I know about the burning you, well, is um, one of the Weinstein's has a has a writing credit. Right? Yes, it's like one of his first. Yeah, I think Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, I think Bob does. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen that movie in, in years, but that was a fun one. Yeah. Um, oh man. So yeah. I don't. Oh, so you don't you don't you don't remember don't. who who either of these? I don't. Oh, okay. I don't. Corey, either. Do I don't idea? either. Okay. Well, here we'll start with the actor. So he's a comedic actor. Uh, he rose to prominence as a rotund actor, rotund actor in the '90s on a huge smash hit sitcom, but in more recent years has slimmed down. Does that give you guys any any clues? Oh yeah, I probably guessed this one. John, is it John Goodman? No. 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 Okay. No. Yes. I so. I was. I thought this one would work out because it would maybe throw you off the scent a little bit, even though that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> I didn't want to make it too too obvious, but the second hint is he played one of the four main characters of the sitcom and the friend of the titular comedian main character. Oh, um, he slimmed down. Oh, I don't don't remember. Was he also in Jurassic Park? Is it what's his face? Um, oh, are you thinking Wayne? You're now? thinking of a different actor on the show yep. that I'm referring to. Yep. Okay. Then I'm. But this is this actor is one of the main four characters and played the friend of the main. Oh, character. Jason Alexander. Yep. 
I forgot. Yes. He was oh, it's it, okay. I was like, yeah. he can't be talking about Seinfeld. I really didn't think it was Seinfeld. Oh nope. man. Okay, so Jason nope. Alexander. Yeah, there are two Seinfeld actors on this list. Yeah, I totally forgot uh, that movie. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he doesn't have as much of like a pool of acting to draw from, so that's why my hints were more, you know. No, those were good. I didn't um, know he's based down. around the show. No, yeah, too. yeah, like he would. Um, yeah, he would do these like. Uh, I remember he was in ads for something that where he was talking about how he lost weight with whatever the product was or whatever. Anyway, but here's the one for the actress. Uh, she is another alliterative actress with the initials HH. Okay. Helen Hunt. That's the only close. It is not Helen okay. Hunt. Holly Hunter. <laughs> Do you have a guess, Corey? There you yep. go. <laughs> you got it. So when you said uh, Helen Hunt, Nick, I was like, oh no, I thought wrong. It's Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Oh, yeah. No kidding. The Burning has the first ever acting role for both Jason Alexander and Holly Hunter. That's pretty wild. Although Holly Hunter's like barely in that movie. She's like in the, like a, a bunch of like the, you know, the cafeteria scene okay. and stuff like that. She's uh yeah, she's not in it very much. It's like a blink and you'll miss her kind of kind of role. That's similar yeah. to um, uh, what's her face? She plays the Wasp to Ant Man. Um, she was on Lost. Oh yeah, I'm blanking on her. I know exactly who you mean, but I I can't think of her name. Um. Oh, that's so bad. I feel really. I, I don't want to. I do too, actually. But I think this is the perils of recording later at night. Um, my my mind was checked out a while ago. Uh, Evangeline oh, Lilly. Gosh. Evangeline Lilly. Thank you. Which topical because in 2003 she pops up as a background actor extra in the school in Freddy versus Jason oh, in the school nice. scene she's she's no in the idea. background and then in one scene she's actually in like two places at once they have the camera they have the camera pointed out <laughs> one end of the hallway and then the other end of the hallway and she's at like both she's like right behind some main characters and then she's all the way down at the other end of the hallway and whatnot and like this so that's before lost I don't know if it's her first role and it's not really a role it's mm -hmm. really just background work but she does pop up in the background yeah. oh that's great yeah perfect way to tie it all together there with uh, the friday the 13th <laughs> franchise we were drafting all right well good game i'm embarrassed but yeah, yeah it's because it's late at night that's definitely why 100 exactly and you know what 100 percent. well 100 the reason yep. why um well, guys, thank you so much for uh, doing the podcast, Corey, for joining us here and, and drafting Friday the 13th and, and letting us take up so much of your time here. Thanks for having um, me. Friday the 13th, you anytime. Well, thank you so much again, Corey, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, please rate, review, follow, I think is the new terminology for Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you liked what you heard, and uh, come check out uh, what other episodes we put out we we don't know what's going to be on the docket next so it'll be a mystery and go watch some friday the 13th movies the song you heard in this episode is you are a monster by monroeville music center it's being used under a cc by creative commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org if you'd like to hear more of monroeville music center you can find them on bandcamp their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer.
And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon.